the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That seat last night at his first rally since the nation learned of the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He's expected to name a name this week. Meantime, the eight remaining justices remember her. The justices all wrote of Ginsburg's undying devotion to the law and her grace as a colleague. Chief Justice John Roberts describes her as a jurist of historic stature and a tireless and resolute champion of justice. Justice Clarence Thomas calls Ginsburg a dear colleague and friend, a superb judge who gave her best and exacted the best from each of us, whether in agreement or disagreement. While Justice Sonia Sotomayor calls Ginsburg an American hero who spent her life fighting for the equality of all people. Ben Thomas, Washington. This is SRN News. Dan Proft enjoys the fear-mongering from Biden. We have four more years of Trump's climate denial. How many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? Uh-huh. Wow. That's uh, a whole lot of uh, apocalyptic rhetoric there, isn't it? It's a nice country you have there. The Dan Proft Show, weeknights at 11 on AM 1280, The Patriot. Intelligent Radio. AM 1280 The Patriot, the best and longest running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities, is on AM 1280 The Patriot next. You can join Mitch Berg and Brad Carlson, who you'll hear in a moment from the Northern Alliance Radio Network, every Saturday and Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Each week, the NARN brings you the best in local political and conservative talk. It's the NARN each Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 3. Now look at your weather forecast here from the Twin Cities area. It is a high of 74 today, breezy with winds coming from the south at 15 to 20. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-3, 2, 1. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. If you'd like to reach out via Twitter, feel free to do so at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Hashtag NarnShow. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you uh, tuning in. Uh, I don't know. What are we going uh, to talk about today? <laughs> Uh, this is one of those. Um, this is one of those situations where uh, I had uh, pretty much a show planned out. I, I you know, I, I do writing at bradcarlson.org on a regular basis, pretty much as prep for the radio show where I, you know, convey my opinions on the blog and you know, kind of ex- kind of expand upon them here on the show, you know, as, as time permits. And I pretty much had in mind, you know, by Wednesday evening slash Thursday morning what I wanted to talk about. Uh, but then as 2020 is want to do, um, yeah, some huge news occurred Friday evening in the uh, passing of Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I made a vow that I was, about a few months ago, I was no longer going to say, Wow, 2020 can't get any more bizarre or surreal. I found myself saying a variation of that pretty much every week since you know the since COVID really started to go go nuts in this country. It was about mid March when state governors started imposing lockdowns of businesses and shelter and in, thus imposing shelter in place and recommending people work from home and only essential businesses would stay open and. You know, as each passing week 
went through the COVID pandemic and then, you know, uh, sadly, the, the George Floyd death here in Minneapolis and all the fallout that ensued from that. It, 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 and then, of course, there were rumors of uh, what was one of the murder hornets. I don't. I, thankfully, those never came to fruition. At least I don't think they came to fruition. Uh, it, it, you just got to the point where it's like it can't get any more bizarre. And I, I like I say, about late March, early April, I quit saying that because it's like, yeah, it can. And this past Friday proved it. Now, I, I've talked to a lot of my political friends and members of my family because you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been in poor health for quite some time. I mean, into her 80s, battling pancreatic cancer. And there was talk of her stepping down before the end of Barack Obama's presidency because there was no, it was not a sure thing that a Democrat would win the White House, you know, in November of 2016. And this was long before, you know, the 2016 election cycle really took off. But there was talk even then that, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should maybe step down. She's in poor health, and this will give Barack Obama, you know, one last opportunity for a uh, for a Supreme Court pick. Well, you know, after the 2014 elections— the Republicans got the majority back in the Senate, and they've had it back uh, ever since. And it's on the line again this election cycle. Well, I bring all this up to say that Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived a, a, an incredible life. She's an incredible history, breaking into a male-dominated field of the legal profession. You know, back in the um, back in the late fifties, early sixties. And then moving her way up onto you know court positions, eventually the D.C. Circuit Court, where she was just before she was appointed a Supreme Court justice back in 1993 at the age of 60. An exemplary life. Uh, and there was a piece written today in uh, Reason by uh, David Post at Reason.com, terrific piece, where he talked about work clerking for Justice Ginsburg. And when he was there in 1994, you know, Justice Ginsburg's first year in the Supreme Court, he tells a story of his daughter's sixth grade class coming in for a field trip of the Supreme Court building. And, of course, met with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, uh, you know, the kids asked, you know, typical kid questions. You know, what's the hardest part about being a judge? How did you become a judge? Do you like being a judge? And there was one more question that came, and it was, what case that you worked on, what case that you worked on uh, that you enjoyed the most? And again, this is from the Reason.com story. Uh, she told the story of Weinberger versus Weisenfeld, the case from early on in her days at the ACLU Women's Rights Project. Mr. Weisenfeld, the plaintiff, had just lost his wife, leaving him alone with their newborn son. He wanted to take time off from work so he could stay home with the baby, but he discovered that he was not entitled to spousal benefits under the Social Security regulations. Although if he had died, his wife would have received the supplemental payments. Uh, RBG took his case and won a famous victory in the Supreme Court. So she told the story, and then she added, and just the other day, that little boy wrote me a letter to let me know that he had just been accepted to Columbia Law School. So my point in, in, in sharing that excerpt of the story is you had a lot of feminists mourning the loss of RBG, saying she was a, this huge champion for, for, for women's rights and everything else. And, and all that may be true, but this is proof positive that she had a passion for human rights, for the rights of everybody, not, not just women's rights. And again, there, there are some cases where she's decided uh, that, you know, from a political standpoint and legal standpoint, people will question, but you could never question the her core convictions and her solid belief system. And another great example, personal uh, human story, is her friendship with the late Justice Scalia. Justice Scalia was appointed in 1986. And then when Ginsburg came on the court in 1983, they were colleagues for 23 years until Scalia passed away in 2016. And they had this very close, tight-knit friendship, despite the fact their legal philosophy 
was totally opposite. And obviously their political ideology, totally opposite. And they weren't contentious about that. And they they gave us a great example of what it's like, you know, the classic phrase to disagree without being disagreeable. And sadly, you look at the discourse in our politics today, that's that's just sadly lacking. And I talked to a lot of political friends about about uh, Justice Ginsburg. And I remember thinking, you know, if if she passes away and we have and president say, you know, during the Trump administration and President Trump gets the opportunity to avoid it, to um, appoint a third Supreme Court justice. I mean, it was it was. It shouldn't have been that difficult, but with his first one, Gorsuch, it was a lateral move from Scalia. The Democrats shot themselves in the foot by filibustering that because now they have no options. And then, of course, Kavanaugh, they pulled out all the stops to try to gin up a, uh, a smear against Kavanaugh. You know, the whole Dr. Christine Blasey Ford saga because they completely threw out presumption of innocence. You know, and again, it's not like Kavanaugh would have been convicted of crime had it been uh, confirmed that you know, he'd, he'd sexually assaulted uh, Christine Blasey Ford back in the day. It was 35 years. I don't know what the statute of limitations are. So from a legal standpoint, they weren't really prosecuting him as much as it was just personally. And when Dr. Ford's closest confidants couldn't even corroborate a relationship, should have been game over. But the Democrats weren't satisfied with that. And that was because Kavanaugh was replacing the quote-unquote swing vote, Anthony Kennedy, on the court. Well, if Trump gets to replace a solid liberal on the court, the Democrats would have just turned into just frothing kooks more so than they already are. But the fact that it's done in a presidential election year and little more than six weeks before Election Day, you're you're seeing what's happening. And again, I, I remember thinking, I, I, I hope it doesn't come to pass because people are going to throw back at Mitch McConnell what he said in 2016 when he said, well, this is a presidential election year, so the next president should... Uh, the American people should decide who the next president will be, and that president will then put up a nominee for the court. And people say, "Well, Mitch McConnell said there's never any. You know, he's a hypocrite. They, they, you know, that you don't put up confirmations of a Supreme Court justice in an election year." Well, no, what he said, if you look at his statement, he said, "In a presidential election year, where the majority party in the U.S. Senate is the opposite of the party in the White House." We feel it's best for the American people to decide. And obviously the American people decided Donald Trump be president. Republicans keep the majority in the Senate. There you go. Republicans get to choose the next Supreme Court nominee. And it was another point of contention in 2018. In 2018, there was a big blue wave in the U.S. House where the Democrats flipped the House. I think they had a net gain of like 40 seats to flip the House to Democrat control. But guess what? The Republicans increased their majority in the U.S. Senate. So McConnell is going by that, saying it's very clear that the American people, by virtue of at the ballot box in 2016 and 2018, want us to fill the seat. And again, you can you can throw back his old talking points at him, and there were other Republicans that said variations of that. That's all fine and good, but if you're going to throw their 2016 words back in their face, you ought to be doing the same thing with Democrats, particularly then President Obama doing hashtag do your job, hashtag, you know, let's have a hearing. You know, same with Chuck Schumer. There have been X number of Supreme Court justices, Phil, uh, that have uh, been confirmed in election years. We need to do our job as, as a body. Okay, if, if, if you're going to play that kind of game. And by the way, uh, I, I really don't have a lot of patience for this uh, this nonsense where Justice Ginsburg's dying wish was that the next president fill the seat. In fact, the, I, someone said the quote was the uh, next president installed, fill the seat. It's almost the insinuation that Biden will win the presidency, but then Kamala Harris will be installed once Biden steps aside, which many people think that that would be very soon into his first term. Uh, this is a constitutional republic. This isn't make-a-wish. All due respect to Justice Ginsburg, a, a tremendous legacy, one for the history books, no doubt about it. And as the second female on the Supreme Court, 
Yeah, that's right. The second female in the Supreme Court, an exemplary record. But I'm sorry, uh, that's not how this works. That is that that is the height of arrogance that these politicians, particularly Representative Tide Padavita, a.k.a. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, say, well, I can't believe Mitch McConnell won't fulfill a dying woman's wishes. What? So if, if a Republican congressman had come out in 2016 and said, well, you know what? I think I, I think it's right that the Senate not fill the seat for Justice Scalia because, you know, his his dying wishes would have been to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. So we're going to wait until we get into a position where we can get a justice in place to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah, the, the Democrats would have just accepted that on its face, wouldn't they? I mean, honest to God, the, the stunning arrogance. This is this is a constitutional republic where people cast their votes. And if the people decide they don't want Republicans in the White House anymore or in the Senate, then that's going to come up this November. But for now, Mitch McConnell is going to go forward. He's already said they will give President Trump's nominee a vote. Whether the Republicans uh, majority, the Republicans have a majority 53 to 47, whether that's enough to vote to confirm a justice is another story entirely. So we'll get into that a little bit and take your phone calls as well at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. This is Michael Medved. Radio programs like mine have been talking about November's election for months now because this election is sure to shape our nation's future. The choice isn't just between the values of two candidates, but about the values our government must defend and advance. Make sure you're registered to vote and prepared, whether at your polling place or by absentee ballot. This election is too important. Every American, every patriot needs to vote. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and -and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-482-8399. 800-482-8399. That's 800-482-8399. Is the United States of America part of God's great plan for the world? Now, a new documentary, Trump 2024, The World After Trump, takes a look at what the world could look like in 2024 with or without President Trump. Trump 2024 features interviews with Franklin Graham, Mike Huckabee, Dennis Prager, and Eric Metaxas. Watch Trump 2024, The World After Trump on SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com, Trump 2024. Stream it today at SalemNow.com. I was drinking through the day without my spouse knowing it would be hidden in the room, tucked in a corner, or in a slipper. I came to Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and I couldn't be happier. It changed my whole life. You are not alone, and you can take the first step towards freedom from addiction by calling Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge at 612-FREEDOM, or you can text MNTC to 900-900, or go online to mntc.org slash not alone. Stay safe in your home with a $4,000 chairlift, now half off for just $2,000 through this special offer from Starlift and this station. There's just one half-price chairlift available. Go to the station's website, click on the More tab and half-price offers, or call the station now. Uh. 
Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Any comments or questions? And by the way, uh, you knew that there was going to be a lot of, uh, shall we say, uh, uncivil discourse. A lot of rancor regarding this uh, Supreme Court fight. Uh, I'm, I'm amused by uh, the House Majority Leader, the Minnesota House Majority Leader, Ryan Winkler, coming out, go, taking Twitter saying, well, if Republicans go forward with a Supreme Court power grab, we will see that our institutions need to change to actually reflect majority rule. Filibuster, Electoral College, statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, gerrymandering all need to be on the table. You mean... Everything that you said your agenda was going to be if the Democrats took over the White House and the Senate. This isn't news. Why did Democrats? There have been so many Democrats that have come out and said, well, if Republicans go ahead with this Supreme Court nomination fight, uh, this is all the things that nothing's going to be off the table. This is exactly the same thing you were saying last year. This isn't news. But it is refreshing to uh, see the Democrats basically come out and admit something that we all have already known, and they've conveyed a variation of. Uh, somebody Somebody also mentioned on Twitter, this is kind of like shooting the hostage before the negotiations even begin. It's like, you've already shot the hostage. What more is there to negotiate? Uh, Eric Erickson wrote on this uh, very thing that, look, this this fight's going to have to happen. There, there, There is really no good alternative here. President Trump is going to name a uh, a nominee to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's going to happen, just like Barack Obama put forth a nominee to replace Antonin Scalia, even though Mitch McConnell said, well, we're not going to have any hearings or votes for a Supreme Court nominee, but President Obama, as is guided by the Constitution, performed his constitutionally, uh, constitutionally protected uh, right in as president, putting forth a nominee. But what people don't understand is this is what government this is what divided government is this is what checks and balances are all about the legislative branch in 2016 provided a check on the executive branch saying no we're not putting a fourth supreme court nominee and if the american people didn't like it guess what there was an opportunity to vote out that senate that year and they didn't do it so eric erickson wrote about this very thing that look this this fight's got to happen we might as well just go forth and if we put forth a nominee and it doesn't pass with an up or down vote you did what you were supposed to do and then you just deal with the consequences uh there's no denying that ruth bader ginsburg is a lion in american history a force for progressive social policy and a very kind and decent human being our prayers should be with her family at this time but we really should not dance around the fact that we are now less than 50 days before a presidential election in a new plot twist she attempted to hang on for the sake of a progressive appointment to the court I see no reason why the GOP should humor her desires except for, I don't know, the possibility of civil unrest, a Democrat court packing scheme if they take the Senate, and the fact that waiting will not change the composition of the United States Supreme Court. Except the GOP cannot avoid this fight, can they? The GOP has long promised their base the repeal of Obamacare and failed. They've stoked the fires in the past year with rumors of RBG's health that they would advance a nominee. Trump got the Republican nomination because the base of the party declared he fights compared to all other Republicans. If Trump doesn't fight, the base is betrayed. If the GOP Senate doesn't fight, the base is alienated. The GOP has to have this fight because they've played on the emotions of their base for so long over the Supreme Court that the base will boil Republican rabbits if there is a betrayal. That's kind of analogous to fatal attraction, in case you're wondering what boiling rabbits is all about. Okay, a couple things to chew on here. First of all, we were constantly lectured in 2000, after the 2008 elections, in in early 2009, President Barack Obama won election. The Democrats already had the majority in the House. It just increased after the 08 elections. And their majority in the Senate also increased to the point where, for a small portion of time, the Democrats had a supermajority in the U.S. Senate. Thank you, Minnesota and Al Franken. Uh, we got to live with that one, don't we? And, of course, they ended up passing Obamacare. 
one of the biggest power grabs in this republic's history in terms of taking over a huge portion of our U.S. economy, and it's been an abysmal failure. Well, you could argue that the composition of government at that point was because Republicans were so weak-kneed back in 2005. If you remember, President Bush was reelected in 2004, and Republicans already had majorities in the House and Senate, and they just strengthened them after the 2004 elections. Well, they didn't have a supermajority in the, in the Senate, and at the time, it only requ- it required 60 votes to stop filibustering of judicial nominees. Well, if you remember, Justice William Rehnquist passed away, and President Bush had a uh, nominee to, or a, a seat to fill. And they were going to put forth, I don't think John Roberts had been named at that point, but the Democrats were already saying they were going to filibuster the nominee. Now, at that, up at, the, at that point, it hadn't been done, hardly at all, if ever. But they despised Bush so much that they were not going to let him just have his nominee go through. And the Republicans threatened to go through with the nuclear option, where it would just take a simple majority to change the rules, and therefore it would only take a simple majority to end a filibuster, and then once a filibuster's ended, then it's an up or down vote, and up or down votes had all once you got to that point were always a simple majority. Well, uh, the Democrats pitched a fit over this, so the Republicans, instead of using their power, helped form a gang of fourteen of seven Democrat senators and seven Republican senators to come together and decide. Okay, here's a list of nominees that will be acceptable, and we'll go over these. So there were basically. The Republicans did not use their power. And in 2006, they got completely wiped out in the midterms. And then, of course, 2008, President Obama won, increased the Democrat majorities, and we ended up with Obamacare. So my point in bringing all of this up here is Republicans have power again, and they're not hesitating to use it. President Trump. You know, when he first learned of the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, gave a very quick speech, said she was a tremendous woman, lived lived an amazing life. You know, she'll be missed. And then later put out an official statement. It was an incredible statement, very poignant statement. You know, President Trump can come through at times, and it was an incredible statement on the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But then now they have a job to do. President Trump is still president. He's going to put forth a nominee. And it's up to the Senate to decide whether they're going to hold hearings or votes. And Mitch McConnell came out with a statement immediately, says, yeah, President Trump's nominee will get a hearing and will get a vote. Well, there are already two Republican senators. Uh, Susan Collins thinks they should wait till after the election. And Lisa Murkowski of Alaska does not believe they should go forth with, with it either. But it's not their call. It's going to happen. The question is now, will there be enough Republicans, will there be 50 Republicans of the 53 that will vote to cut off debate and then get an up or down vote? So it's still not a sure thing that a nominee will be confirmed. A nominee is going to be put forth and it's going to be considered by the Senate. But whether it will actually be confirmed is another matter entirely. But again, this is a this is a hill the Republicans have chosen to die on. And I think it's I think it's the right move. And again, people are going to parse McConnell's statement from 2016, but they're they are conveniently leaving out the fact that he did issue a very important disclaimer, very important caveat, which was when the president is the opposite party of the majority in the Senate, we don't go forth with nomination process, Supreme Court nomination process in a presidential election year. People are conveniently leaving that out. And I understand why, because the Democrats have no options here. So, uh, again, this was a, uh, this just is classic 2020. Something so bizarre and out of the blue like this happens. And there's already been, I mean, this isn't five or six, this isn't people on Twitter with five or six followers. These are blue check marks, progressive blue check mark verified Twitter accounts coming out and saying that burn America down if the Republicans try to go forward with this. All right. As if there haven't been enough riots around big cities in this country already. That, that's just deeply, deeply irresponsible. But at the end of the day, the Republicans aren't doing anything scandalous 
and there aren't they aren't doing anything illegal. A president putting forth a Supreme Court nominee for a vacancy and the Senate advising in consent is 100% aligned with the Constitution. And if they want to consider that, if Democrats and progressives want to consider that criminal or a scandal, let them try it. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. He said he's been down this road more than twice. He was high on intellectual. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. Recently, someone asked if my brother Eric was still around. Eric, are you still around? I am still around, and a lot of things have changed over the years at Kingdom Builders, but one thing that hasn't changed is that we're not salesmen, we're just great roofers. He's the guy that takes care of our gutter side of the business. If you need gutters or a roof, give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Hi, this is Matthew with The Kingdom Builders. With the severe weather we've had recently, you may have had some strangers knocking on your door saying you need to sign something to get weather-related damage on your home covered. We love coming to people's homes for no pressure, no obligation consultations. We don't want you to feel pressure to sign anything. If you'd like an expert from the Kingdom Builders to come take a look at your home or just to talk to you about how the insurance process works, we'd be happy to do that. Look us up online at thekingdombuilders.com. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning's full triple savings sale is back by popular demand. Offering savings of up to $2,420 on the purchase of a new furnace and air conditioner during September. You won't want to miss out on this fall deal. Start preparing for furnace season now and take advantage of some of the biggest savings of the year. That's savings in manufacturer rebates, utility rebates, and September promotions. Plus, a new high-efficiency furnace and air conditioner can save you even more on utility bills all year long. As a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business, Standard Heating wants you to know they are continuing to operate with safety as their first priority with no-contact protocols, plus offering free shipping direct to your Minnesota home for all air filters. You can find updates and more about getting your $2,400 in savings on a new furnace and A.C. at standardheating.com patriot. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve since 1930. Attention, this is a real estate ad. If you are thinking of buying or selling, please listen closely. My name is Alex Hartman of REMAX Results. I am a like-minded, loyal listener to this radio station. I have a proven track record of results, having sold thousands of homes over 30-plus years. But most important, in this day and age of big real estate teams pushing crazy gimmicks and guarantees, when you call me, you get me and only me. No gimmicks, no anonymous team members, just one-on-one service and results. When you work with me, you can rest assured the buck stops right here. I have your back. I'm the only agent you communicate with from start to finish. I'm 100% accountable to you. So if you're thinking of buying or selling this season and you like the idea of working with an agent who shares your views, an agent who will work diligently on your behalf every step of the way, then call me today for a free no-obligation consultation. Just go to resultsbyalex.com, resultsbyalex.com. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Again, that's resultsbyalex.com. Welcome back. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks for tuning in. And here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. And feel free to weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Pretty comments or questions. Always, we appreciate you tuning in. Going to shift gears here a little bit. Talked some national news the first couple of segments. Now going to focus on some local races. And, folks, I know that the presidential race is garnering a lot of headlines. Understandably so. It is a very important election, intriguing time in our nation, to be sure. But if you live here in Minnesota, you need to be engaged in all of your local races, state, municipal, county, whatever, and uh, we're going to be focusing on some state races here the next few segments. Uh, Folks, as I mentioned on the show before, in early 2022 is when redistricting is done here in Minnesota, where they redraw all the congressional districts and legislative districts. So who is elected to the legislature is very, very important. And one such candidate we hope to get through to the Minnesota Senate 
is Mary Giuliani Stevens. Mary is the former mayor of Woodbury and also vied for the Republican nomination for governor back in 2018. But she's here as a candidate in Senate District 53, which is comprised of Woodbury, Landfall, and parts of Oakdale and Maplewood. Mary is taking on incumbent and Senate minority leader. Susan Kent. So a formidable task to be sure, but uh, Mary definitely seems up to it. Uh, Mary Julianne Stevens, welcome, first of all, to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Thanks. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me back. And we need Mary's microphone on if we could. It's not your fault, Mary. (laughs) We need to have your microphone. Is it not working? Okay. We'll keep going. Mary, can you hear it? You uh, you can hear us fine? I can't hear you. Okay. Got nothing over here. I'll keep working on that. Okay. Well, you sh- Mary can hear us, but uh, we can't hear Have her. Have her switch mics for a okay. second. If you can uh, go over there, Mary. We're, we're, we're techno- technologically savvy on the Northern Alliance Radio Network, Mary, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll get it worked out. And as long as we've got the plexiglass and socially distant changing the microphone. So just speak into that microphone, if you would. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. All right. All right. Here we, we appreciate go. it. Yeah, uh, we- Mary, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back. I was driving up in the parking lot, and I went, oh, I remember being here back in a few years ago. Yeah, it was a, yeah, just a, a, you were running for governor at the time, um, and I remember we were kind of talking a little bit off the air. You kind of had a little fun with me because I hyphenated <laughs> your last name, Julianne Stevens. Like, no, 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 it's it's just my maiden name and my and my married name. No hyphen. So, uh, and I didn't get it wrong this time, Mary. So uh, I learned my lesson. So there we go. We, yeah, we're moving thanks. forward. You have a good memory. I I had forgotten that. So. And and it it helps too that Mary has her personalized mask on. There's no hyphen in your personalized mask. No hyphen. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> so you're living you up to it. it. Well, Mary, we want to obviously talk about your Senate race. Uh, any The Republicans have a scant majority in the Senate right now, and any potential seats that we can flip from DFL uh, to Republican would definitely be a boon for the Republicans keeping the majority. So uh, I guess first and obvious question, what was the catalyst for you deciding to run for this particular race, Mary? Well, you know, I so uh, ran for the endorsement for governor and was not successful at that, but but great experience. Wouldn't give it up for anything. Yes. And then finished my term as mayor through 2018 and, you know, worked hard, finished strong. Um, And I had some time to think about it and then decided not to run for a fourth term. I'd had two as mayor, one as city council, and just decided 12 years was enough time to turn over, you know, leadership to somebody new. So I took a year off um, and I had lost my mom like three days oh, after sorry, I announced yeah. I was okay. running for governor. And so I, I just really didn't have that time to grieve and spend time with family. So I took the year off um, and then really, really missed it. <laughs> so you're gone for a year. But, you know, I had kind of invested my entire adult life in the community and loved working with and for my neighbors to, you know, solve problems and get things done in the community. So I missed that piece. Um, and uh, that and a few other things came together and decided, you know, I'm going to run – um, I'm going to run for the state Senate and and this year. And so I did. I put my name in the hat in January, I think it was, and I've been working hard since. So tell us, you know, we'll, get, we'll definitely get into the campaign and all that in a little bit, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, we know you served the community of Woodbury in the capacity of mayor and city council were a gubernatorial candidate. Uh, what did you do for regular vocation? You're not a career politician. We know that, Mary. So what did you no, do? No, I'm for... still not. I don't even think of I still to this day don't think of myself as a politician. That's good. I think of myself more as a policymaker and problem solver. But so um, grew up in Rochester, Minnesota. I was like two okay. years old. My dad, uh, we moved here. My dad was at the Mayo Clinic and um, did my education through here. Then went to the University of Michigan. Uh, for my undergrad and came back uh, to Minnesota, missed my family, went to night law school, uh, worked full-time and, and got my law degree. Okay. So I practiced law, um, and I lived in St. Paul, practiced law with a f- uh, firm in St. Paul, mostly construction litigation. Then in the mid-'90s, as I was raising my family and trying to balance everything, um, at the time that mediations and arbitrations were coming around, decided to uh, resign my partnership and do do that more part-time. And then as I did that, I got more and more involved in the community and eventually ran for local office. But still hold my law license. Uh, don't practice. Okay. Um, you know, because once I became mayor, that was pretty full time for me. Oh, of course. Uh, but I continue to keep my license. So what was, uh, I guess, uh, was there a specific person, uh, the community itself? Who encouraged you to uh, vie for the Senate seat? Because now, obviously, you're expanding outside of Woodbury. You're getting into some cities that... Uh, 
may not as know, know you as well as the city of Woodbury. So what was kind of the motivation to run for this particular office? Yeah, I'll kind of go backwards on your question. So first of all, excited to have this expanded district. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity to be able to have your entire community, that you, you know, in your district, but then to have it expanded. I've just had so much fun meeting um, the voters in Maplewood and Oakdale and getting to know uh, the wonderful little community of Landfall. So it's been, um, that's been fun. A lot of factors. One, I mostly, you know, my desire to get back and get involved. Um, I think that I invested a ton in supporting, you know, our families and the growth of our community um, and our businesses. Our sure. businesses are such a huge part of the growth in the community because they bring in the jobs you know, that bring in the people that build the homes, that use the services, and, you know, on and on. That's the vibrancy that we create. And so um, I, you know, real strong support from the business community. So I'd have to say, besides just people who are saying, you know, are you going to stay out of it? Aren't you going to get involved? I had business people coming to me and saying, you know, we need we need elected officials that listen to us um, and that support uh, businesses large and small in the in the district. Now, for those who may be familiar with Woodbury over a long period of time, I mean, I you know I'm old enough to remember you know a decade, couple decades ago. I mean, I grew up near the 3M complex, yeah. so very familiar with the area. And uh, as I you know left the area, uh, but I still paid attention to what was going on there. And you know, it was more of um, you know so, uh, upscale suburban district. A lot of people lived, and you know it. At once upon a time, was in the sixth congressional district, very conservative. And as time has gone on, we've kind of seen it shift a little bit, where you have a lot of DFL representation. So, from your perspective, Mary, uh, obviously a very difficult district for Republican to run in. So, how do you sort of balance that? How the how the area has evolved, and how you're running as a Republican, conveying your message? Okay, well, that's kind of interesting. You say a difficult district to run in. I find it a really easy district to run in. You know, because I think my approach to leadership has been really reaching across, the, you know, reaching across the aisle, bringing all the diverse opinions to the table. I mean, really good leaders listen, ask really good questions, sure. bring diverse views, and then, you know, move forward the best policies. And so, you know, to me, I've enjoyed uh, being in and working in the community and watching its growth um, and, and watching it change and being able to make sure that we're a community um, that that represents all the interests within the you know within the community, and I want to do the same thing in the district. So, but it's changed. There's no doubt about it. We bought our little land that we built our house on, same one we're still in in 1984. Wow! And okay. Radio Drive had just been paved, but the radio station was still there. Now we're at a radio station. I remember it well. That? Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. So a lot has changed, but you know, I, it was when I was first elected to mayor. What was that? 2010. I was elected. We were just coming out of the Great Recession. So you talk about Woodbury being vibrant and growing. We had no commercial development that year I was elected, and housing wow. was flat, and we had a lot of challenges, the same kind of economic challenges we're going to face at the state, you know, with the budget deficit. And we just, you know, we put our nose to the grind. We worked hard. We listened to the community, um, and we worked hard to get through it and position ourselves so that we could be successful coming out of the recession, which we did. So so as you're going now, uh, obviously, uh, in this, uh, in the midst of this uh, COVID pandemic, certainly campaigning is a little different. You can't have as many in-person large gatherings as you'd like, but uh, you know, I know candidates are still going door to door, reaching out to as many constituents as they possibly can. What are you personally hearing from the constituents? What are some of their bigger concerns, particularly in your district? I imagine there's broader concerns. You know, the uh, you, you mentioned the budget deficit. We're now operating under the state, largely because of the COVID pandemic, with a lot of unemployment increasing and businesses shutting down. But what specifically in your district are you hearing from the constituents that are of their biggest concerns? Okay, so kind of shifted a little. Um, I've been door knocking since June. I still think it's the safest and best way. You have to have voter engagement. I mean, I just... Do you kind of knock on the door and run six feet away and say, okay, I'm Actually, I run further than six feet because I want them to come out of the door and close that distance and still be six feet away. (laughs) There you go. Have my mask with me, our hand sanitizers. I never give someone a piece of lit unless I ask them if they want it. Perfect. Um, All the protocols in place, Mary. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean, we experimented a little bit at the beginning, you know, with how that was really going to work, but fell into a rhythm that we felt was really comfortable for homeowners. And, you know, with door knocking, it's their choice. And Mm -hmm. so if they choose not to open a door for whatever reason, I don't know what's going on behind that door in their home and who's living there and what. Um, I feel comfortable that they then don't have to open the door um, if they don't want to. So it's worked really well. You know, obviously early on it was COVID because it was new and it was what's going on, what mm-hmm. are we hearing, how are we going to flatten this curve, what are we going to get done? Um, 
then when you did when you thought nothing could take over that conversation um we had we had what happened in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and so that became a conversation and continues to be a concern at the doors in terms of safety in our neighborhoods and communities um those you know those riots and that vandalism came out to Sunray Center and That's you know, true. and City Place was all boarded up for a while there um so that's still on the minds of voters in this district and this whole getting back to school, the whole uncertainty of how it's going to work. Um, the conversations have changed a little. It was it was what was going to happen. And now that we're kind of in this because there's three school districts in this district, the same that was just in Woodbury. You know, how is it working and the frustrations of the hybrid or the distance learning with working parents or single families or so just that that conversation still happening, too. Mary, we need to take a real quick break. Are you able to stay with us for one final segment? Sure. Okay. Mary Giuliani Stevens, she, the Republican candidate in Minnesota Senate District 53, again, covering the cities of Woodbury, Landfall, and parts of Oakdale and Maplewood. We'll be back with one final segment this hour. It's me, Brad Carlson, and we'll take your calls if you'd like to call in, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Again, back with Senate candidate Mary Giuliani Stevens. One final segment coming up this hour. Go nowhere. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Whoa! Look at all these options. You could fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream the Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Catch up on the latest news and information affecting Minnesota's great outdoors with Outdoor News Radio. We talk hunting, fishing, and natural resources in the great state of Minnesota every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Joining me, Rob Dreesline, our guest like bow hunting expert, Tony Peterson, professional anglers like Tackle Terry Tuma and Tim Lesmeister, and nature gurus like the bird chick, Sharon Staler. Join us for Outdoor News Radio. Every Sunday morning at 8 on our sister station, Freedom 1570. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, There are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines. Take extra precautions if at higher risk. Wash our hands frequently. Stay six feet from others when we can. And when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. Land of 10,000 lakes has a nice ring to it, but actually Minnesota has more than 11,800 lakes. But who's counting? Well, there's Ann Lake, Balsam Lake, Cass Lake, Detroit Lake, Eagle Lake, Fox Lake, Gull Lake, Hidden Lake, Adam Lake, John Lake, Craze Lake, Lean Lake. But if water isn't your thing, Minnesota is also home to amazing hiking, biking, and more. Find your true north. Visit exploreminnesota.com. Or Lake, Rainy Lake, Silver Lake, Toad Lake, U.S. Lock and Dam Pool 5A, Boss Lake. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, we recognize that this school year was a little different for you, with families learning how to work and learn from home together. We also recognize that this won't last forever. As you look ahead to the fall and a new chapter in your child's education, TwinCitiesTuitions.com will proudly be here to help with 50% off your students' first year at a brand new school. To see a full list of our partnering schools or for more information, visit TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Get a $1,540 water heater installed for just $770 through this special offer from Champion Plumbing in this station. There's only one half-price water heater. Go to this station's website, click on the More tab, and half-price offers, or call the station now. Welcome back. AM1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Again, check out my blog, bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls. Again, 651-289-4488. Feel free to weigh in via Twitter as well. 
Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. Uh, one final segment with our guest, Mary Giuliani Stevens, running for Minnesota State Senate out of Senate District 53. Again, that district is comprised of Woodbury, Landfall, and parts of uh, Oak, Oakdale and Maplewood. Uh, I grew up on the other side of McKnight Road from the 3M complex, so I'm very familiar with that district, Mary Giuliani Stevens. So uh, uh, we were talking about how Woodbury's been so built up. I was going to college in River Falls, Wisconsin, late 80s, early 90s, and I remember driving on 94 eastbound and looking south toward Woodbury and, you know, just cornfields as far as the eye could see. In about the early 90s, it just went nuts. It was it was amazing It was a, to see the evolution. And uh, even today, you could probably attest to it, Mary, that's uh, still growing like that. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. In the 90s, the challenge was how do you keep up with growth, right? Um, how do you keep up the infrastructure and the housing demand? Um, and then I said in the earlier segment, you know, my challenge coming on then was how do you deal with coming out of an ec- great, the ec- great recession? Mm-hmm. Um, so different challenges. Um, but we've seen, you know, once we got through that, we really were positioned for success. We started to see growth. Uh, we st- I'm, I'm super proud of. So I'd lived there a long time, but I hadn't spent other than shopping, you know, and, and spending money in businesses, hadn't really gotten to know the businesses. And so sure. super proud of the fact that one of the things I did was re, really revitalize, um, you know, our business outreach program. So I wanted to go in person to person, meet with the businesses and ask them, why'd you come to Woodbury? What got you here? What are your struggles as you're trying to get out of this recession? What are your challenges? Um, what can we do as a city? How can we work together? And so... You know, for me, that was big because I got to learn the stories and we got to we got to really uh, work together to figure out how to align um, our policies and resources with right. the business needs. So first focusing on those businesses that were already there to keep them and grow them. And then how do we reach out to get new businesses, you know, in the community? So through that, um, was able to join the chamber. I've been a member for many, many, many years. And then as mayor, um, which I think is pretty unusual in the state, served um, had a seat on the board with the you know with our Woodbury Area Chamber of Commerce. So, um, so for me that was a way to get involved in the business community that I hadn't been in. I'd been involved in the the non you know the nonprofit, the sports, you know, church, everything else that you right. get into. Right. Yeah, as a parent. So now, as you're uh, obviously you know you having been engaged in politics, whether serving as an office holder or you know, being a citizen of Minnesota, obviously you're engaged in everything that's going on that's affecting everyday Minnesotans. So when you're seeing uh, Governor Tim Walls and the Minnesota legislature interacting and all of the things that are going back and forth, are you kind of uh, taking some mental notes and saying, boy, if I was there, this is how I would handle it or this is how what I would speak up? Because what we're experiencing the last uh, legislative session was not on anybody's radar and it had to have been an adjustment on the fly. So what have you kind of learned kind of observing the state-level politics uh, from a citizen's point of view, Mary. Yeah, and I like you ask it from the what have you learned, because obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course. But I, I, you know, I will say I don't think our state government has done the best job of bringing people together during this. And, mm. you know, I think even the governor acknowledged that. I don't remember where he was being interviewed, but he said, well, perhaps if I'd brought the legislature in, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be so politicized. You know, having this health crisis be you wouldn't think you need to realize that in hindsight. And uh... you know, and to me, like I said earlier, you know, leader, you have to bring. You can't just bring people to the table that think exactly like you. That's not going to make for good policy for a big, diverse, not only district like mine, but the whole state. And so, I think the question is, it's you know, it's not too late, right? So, if if he's acknowledging that, and you know, people have been saying that, what do we do moving forward? And so, there's legislatures on both sides, right? Um, Republicans, Democrats, and they're home in their districts. They're hearing from, you know, parents, families, businesses, teachers, um, and they have a lot to bring to the table. And and all these communities are different. They're not all the same. And so I think bringing those voices and that experience to the table is really going to help us move forward. But uh, we do have to we do have to work together. Yeah, and it's definitely a lot at stake as we as we alluded to the prior segment. Uh, this particular election cycle, with especially with redistricting coming up in 2022, if if uh, the DFL controls both chambers of the legislature, then they're basically getting to make the decisions on how the district lines are redrawn, and uh, that <laughs> uh, that doesn't uh, doesn't seem like that will end well. So, uh, Mary, we have a couple of minutes, a few minutes yet to go. Uh, people are obviously a lot of folks who listen to this radio station realize the uh, what's at stake. 
this particular election cycle. Particularly, we'd like to strengthen that majority in the Senate and pick off as many uh, House seats as we can if we don't take the majority. So where can people find you? Website, maybe throw a few bucks into the uh, campaign and uh, all those other social media sites that uh, are so vital these days. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, Website is maryformin.com. And um, there is a there is a place to donate on there, um, and I also have uh, Facebook and Twitter, so you can follow me there, um, and Instagram. So we, we we've moved into all of the all of those realms this this point around. Like you said earlier, you can't can't be out in big gatherings. Oh so, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's maryformn.com. I've actually linked to it at my blog, bradcarlson.org, on the uh, post promoting today's show. And if you go there, yeah, there looks like there's links right there to your Facebook and your Twitter and kind of follow everything that's that's going on. And again, with you know, without the opportunity to meet people in large gatherings, obviously this is something that, well, I mean, all legislative candidates are going through having to uh, you know, have the, the one-on-one contacts. So um, you've kind of done it from both uh, – both issues, obviously campaigning for mayor. You've certainly met with uh, big groups of folks and certainly running for governor uh, even bigger. Uh, how has this adjustment been for you? sounds like, uh, you know, you're making do with with what you can, Mary Julian. That's what you do. Yeah. You don't. You can't sit there and complain about it. We got what we got. Nobody wanted any of the stuff that's coming. But you have to ask yourself, you're representing people. How do you engage with voters? And if you can't do it at the parades and the big events, you have to decide how to do it and door-to-door takes longer there's no doubt about it but you know what that sometimes that one-on-one you you just hear you get to hear a lot and you get to you really do get to see the trends that are on people's minds in your district as you're going door to door so i I, you've got to engage with voters i think given everything we're doing that's the best way to do it yeah and obviously people certainly appreciate the the one-on-one time too because you know they may think of of government as, as people that are just so untouchable sitting uh sitting off in the distance and it's not like that way it shouldn't be that way and for for sure and the fact that they get that kind of that uh, one-on-one time personal experience uh I'm sure is going to mean a lot to the voters, and hopefully they remember that come uh, November at the ballot box. So uh, definitely an, an interesting year to be sure. Well, again, MaryForMN.com is Mary Giuliani Stevens' website. Again, state Senate candidate in Senate District 53. Mary, always goes by way too quick, but we appreciate you coming on the broadcast. And if you'd like to come back again between now and Election Day, you, you have an open invitation. We hope to see you out there uh, on the trail. And uh, thanks again for coming on today. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed being here today. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Our number one in the books. Our number two coming back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Hey, AM 1280, The Patriot and iHeartRadio. They go together like the Liberty Bell and its crack. Listen at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. This is Dennis Prager for Mathnasium, the math learning center. As you know, happiness is a moral obligation. But if you're a parent, that might seem impossible if you're trying to teach your kids math. Some would say choose one. You can't do both. If this is you, then Mathnasium has the solution. At Mathnasium, students learn to understand and master math. They learn number sense, math fluency, and problem-solving skills that equip them for success, not just in school, but for the rest of their lives. Mathnasium students become confident and even enjoy learning math. With Mathnasium's customized and live one-on-one approach, students can actually reach their potential, possibly even more than you might imagine. And now, with the added challenges due to COVID and school closings, more than ever, your child needs extra math support this summer to keep moving ahead. So do your kids and yourself a favor and enroll today at one of the Mathnasium centers listed on the Patriots Advertiser page at am1280thepatriot.com. Mathnasium, changing lives and adding happiness through math. So you're searching online for that perfect sermon series that you can really dig into, but you can't seem to find what you're looking for. I suggest you give GodTube.com a try. GodTube.com is loaded with sermons from well-known and revered Bible teachers who cover every topic you can imagine. And there are no shady comment threads or questionable content. Just great sermon after sermon. Hear God's word daily, grow deeper in your faith, and be inspired by the sermon section on GodTube.com. Where are we headed? Globalism? A new world order? A singular government power? If we yield over and decide that America is not unique, it's not special, it's not extraordinary, we no longer are the United States of America. We're just a piece of a bigger government. And what about prophecy? Is the United States of America part of God's great plan for the world? Now, a new documentary, Trump 
2024, the world after Trump, takes a look at what the world could look like in 2024, with or without President Trump. Trump 2024 features interviews with Franklin Graham, Mike Huckabee, Dennis Prager, and yours truly, Eric Metaxas. The Messiah will not arrive on Air Force One. Watch Trump 2024, the world after Trump on SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Trump 2024. Go to SalemNow.com to watch Trump 2024. SalemNow.com to watch Trump 2024 on demand. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. Uh, We were going to write a flashy promo about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to The Patriot on the free radio.com app. AM 1280, The Patriot is 